Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day from God, our Heavenly Father, and His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God before us this morning is there from our Old Testament reading, Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you want to have your worship folder turned there on page 4, we will make reference to that as we go through. But before we go any farther, I invite you to join with me in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, to you we give all praise and glory for your love and mercy toward sinners like us. In the midst of the challenges of this world, Lord, help us to do what you spoke through your servant Moses, to choose life. And now may these words of this preacher's mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, it really shouldn't be that hard of a decision to make, should it? This section of God's Word, Deuteronomy chapter 30, comes to us in a a context that is vital to understand. The entire book of Deuteronomy is a a farewell address, if you will, of Moses to the children of Israel. Now, just think about this and put this all in order. Moses, the first 40 years of his life, is raised as if he were a son of a pharaoh in Pharaoh's house. At 40 years old, he realizes his ancestry. He ends up murdering a, uh, a, an Egyptian guard. He flees before punishment can be given. And for the next 40 years, he lives as a nomad, shepherding sheep. He's married. He has kids. When he's 80 years old, the Lord calls him and says, go back to Egypt and lead the children of Israel out of slavery. And you remember then all of the ten plagues and all the miracles that went about walking through the Red Sea with a wall of water on their right, a wall of water on their left. All the miracles of every day, manna to eat on the desert floor. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness. And now it was time. It was time for Moses to depart, to die. Because of his own rebelliousness and stubbornness, the Lord was not going to allow Moses to enter into the promised land. That's another story for another time. But the point is, is that here, for an entire book, Moses gives final encouragement to the people of God reminding them of all the things that God has done for them. And so he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. It really shouldn't be that hard of a choice, should it? If Deuteronomy 30 sounds a little bit familiar to you, it's because it is. Looking after Moses, the children of Israel were led by Moses' assistant, Joshua. 
The Lord raised Joshua up. And it was Joshua that the Lord used for the children of Israel to enter into the promised land. Just like walking through the Red Sea, they walked through the Jordan River. The river stopped. Water on their right, water on their left, but dry ground right in front of them. They go in to take possession of the land. Miracle after miracle, battle after battle goes on and ensues. The people take possession of the land. And then Joshua, Joshua 24 to be precise for those who are keeping score. Joshua 24 at the end of his life, Joshua tells the people, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether you want to serve those false gods that your ancestors served beyond the river, referring back to before Abraham's time. If you want to serve those gods, go ahead. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A beautiful little ditty, isn't it? Perhaps you have a plaque in the wall of your house with the same thing. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It really shouldn't be that difficult of a choice. It might also sound familiar to you if we go back, go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. There in the Garden of Eden, our first parents, Adam and Eve in perfection, the Lord says, of all the trees in the garden, feel free to eat. There is this tree of life, but there is one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That one tree, do not eat of it. For the day you eat of it, you will surely die. It shouldn't be that difficult of a choice, should it? And yet it is. Scripture is replete with example after example, generation after generation, people choosing the wrong choice, people choosing death and anger and hatred and violence and sin. And our generation we are no better. It really shouldn't be that hard of a choice. Oh, but it is. These two little words, choose life. Those of you with good memories might remember, oh, about seven, eight months ago, I said in a sermon that at some point we would be addressing the whole ramifications of what it means as Christians to live in this country in a post-Roe v. Wade. This isn't that sermon, just in case you're getting, beginning to be nervous. But it does, those two words made me think of not just the license plates that are an option that you see all over the place, I think around 30-some states offer that choice, but it made me think about all the, the ways that we react in our interactions with each other. Do we really choose life? Or do we make other choices? 
does it really mean that we choose life when we hold a grudge? You know, when something just sticks in our craw, we just can't get past. Perhaps we have just a slight little chuckle when there's an embarrassment for someone of whom we are having a difficulty. Is that compatible with choosing life? Or how about when we show such reluctance at all of and any evangelistic effort? You know, that ability and that desire to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we feel like and do we make decisions based upon we want to help the people who look like us? We want to help out those who think and behave like us. Charity starts at home, preacher. Is that compatible with choosing life? Are we slow and sluggish of heart? You know, so many times I fear that our lackluster evangelistic efforts are really covering up a, a hidden Unitarian Universalist within each of us. You know, that idea that says, oh, Jesus is just one of many options. Just get along be nice, be kind, don't be confrontational, don't be dogmatic. Now, don't confuse the fact that there are many different religions in the world. Don't be confused by the fact that there are many people who choose another way besides worshiping in Jesus Christ. Don't be confused by that, by not loving, by not making the choice of life, life only in Jesus Christ. It really shouldn't be that hard of a decision. But here's the difficult part, brothers and sisters in Christ. If our own first parents, while they were still perfect, if they had a hard time making this decision to choose life, what makes us think that we are any better off now? And this is just perhaps where we need to be. What we need to admit, to realize or the biblical word is confess. I believe there is an illustration that can help us set this into perspective, this word of God before us. Now I will admit this is not a story about yours truly, and even though the statute of limitations against my children has not, ex not run out yet, it is not a story about my children. But it is a true story that I heard another preacher tell. A story about, and by the way, not Pastor Alex either. A story that this preacher told of when he was nine years old and he was fed up with his mom and dad. 
And he had made a decision. He had announced, I am running away from home. And he packed a bag. He was furious and he was angry. And he was stomping through the house with all of the might and must that his nine-year-old legs and feet could muster. He expected his parents to come to their senses. He expected his parents to beg and plead. But they said nothing. They did nothing. He packed his bags and stomped even more forcefully to the door, jingling the handle to make it loud and clear that he was ready to leave. I'm leaving, he shouts to his parents. No reaction. <laughs> Surely this was the moment that they would come to their senses and beg him to stay. They would feed his ego. They would understand that life without him would be horrible and painful. And maybe, just maybe, they would admit they were wrong in the way they had handled the situation. But his parents reacted with nothing. Except his father asked him one question. Where are you going to go? That one question shot a hole through his plan. <laughs> he hadn't thought of where he was going to go. And he realized that the bag he had packed was a gift from his mom and dad. He realized that everything in that bag was a gift from his mom and dad. He realized his mom and dad had given him everything in his nine-year-old life. Life itself and everything that he needed. And he knew, even as a nine-year-old boy, that if he walked out that door, he would be abandoned, alone, destitute, and whether it would take him five minutes or five years, at some point he would be like the prodigal son coming back, begging for mercy from his parents. For him, it really was a non-choice. There was only one way to answer the question, and that was to stay. To, yes, repent of his own sin and anger and trust in the mercies of his parents. You see, it really isn't that hard of a decision. God has given us everything. Everything that we possess. 
is his gift to us. <laughs> oh, sure, you might have, he might have blessed you with a job to earn money and to be able to purchase things. But don't be confused by that. It's still his gift to you. The very life that you have, the very salvation that we have in Jesus Christ is his gift to us. <laughs> My golly. He loves us that much. You see, the Bible gives us some clear indications. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the apostle Paul reminds us that the first Adam was made a living being, but the second Adam, namely Jesus Christ, has become a life-giving spirit, giving us eternal life. Jesus himself in John 15 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear much fruit. And just one chapter earlier, Jesus reminds us forever that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through him. There is no other choice than to choose life. One last surprise if you look at that text again, where Moses says in verse 19, therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. It's a beautiful little word there. It's the same word that the Lord uses in Genesis chapter 2 when describing the relationship between husband and wife. Therefore, a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. You see, our Savior, Jesus Christ, holds fast to us. He is stuck with us. He is always with us and abiding with us. He is always loving and merciful and gracious and forgiving. And because of him and because of his role in our lives, choose life because there really isn't any decision at all to us this isn't complicated it's life life in Jesus in his name amen